Hello there, Goldmine readers and now listeners. Welcome back to the second Goldmine Magazine podcast. This is uh, editor Pat Prince, and this episode will interview Candace Knight for you, uh, the vocalist of Blackmore's Night and bandmate wife of legendary guitarist Richie Blackmore. We'll talk about her latest solo album, Starlight, Star Bright. Uh, the album is more an atmospheric album that uh, sort of matches Candace's ethereal vocals, if you will. Um, and also, later on, we'll have longtime contributor Dave Thompson, who will talk about his new book for Goldmine, The Essential Guide to Record Collecting. And of course, there'll be much more. Well, we'll get right into Candace Knight's interview, but let's first play a song from her album, Starlight, Star Bright. It's a song written by her daughter, Autumn. Here is Lullaby in the Night. Thank you. 
Well, thanks for taking the time to do uh, the gold mine cast. Um, sure. First off, how is the Blackmore slash Knight family? Good? Everything's good? Oh, they're everybody's great. Everybody's doing good here. Um, it's just you know, <laughs> they constantly they constantly keep us uh, on our toes. Yeah. Constantly, it, it's it, but it's so much fun. Like by the end of the day, I'm absolutely exhausted, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good exhausted. It's like a kind of glowing. Like I could just sit there and stare at the wall for like a quiet ten minutes and not have to think of anything exhausted. But <laughs> but uh, everybody's it's all good here. <laughs> so on on the last solo, album, I guess it was two. It's two years now almost. Starlight star bright yeah. um so we'll, we'll talk about that um your daughter autumn wrote the song lullaby in the night and probably the best song on the album i think yes i'm amazed too she but you know what she is constantly writing things i mean she wakes up in the morning and she will just be making up a song about brushing her teeth or what she wants for breakfast or you know by the end of the day making up songs about not wanting to go to bed like that kind of stuff. she wow. just breaks into song like we live a musical like we could be walking down you know in a down the hallway or something in her school or or you know in a grocery store and she's like making up songs like dancing in the aisles and stuff so like literally if you were watching a musical on television or something it would like that would be our lives right there where people just stop and break into song and dance in the middle <laughs> it's kind of like our normal life so it um, sounds like la la land the movie <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's we're strangely reminiscent of la la land absolutely how, um, old, how, how old is she i mean that's... she just turned seven last wow week. i know it's kind of crazy and she's almost as tall as i am which is even crazier because i'm going to be the mom that's like looking up at her going that's it you're grounded you know <laughs> right. looking down at me like uh-huh mom whatever but um yeah it's amazing how fast it goes crazy and richie uh, writes all the guitar along to her songwriting huh that's... he's he's the ma master of the strings yes he's well he's doing all the guitar but he's also doing you know the guitar the the electric and the acoustic and the mandolin and the mandocello and the hurdy-gurdies and the nickel harps and so anything if it has strings along to it that's pretty much what his uh his job is in, right. in his house to take well, care of all that stuff. well do the kids take interest in in playing too instrument yeah, like we, we actually have music time in our house where yeah. like if richie and i are gonna you know write something or, or get involved with you know like music which we do every day the kids rory i think all he wants to do at this point is really just bang on things like he's a drummer <laughs> he's just a drummer he just gets some drum so like his little we have his little drum kit downstairs or worse comes to worse it's pots and pans and tupperware containers and you know like whatever he can get his hands on or just his knees he's just like slapping on you know with his hands and uh so he likes to hit things well there's always <laughs> need for a drummer Always need exactly. Actually, our drummer in Blackmore's night, when they saw him uh, talking to uh, some of the reps of, of um, <laughs> some of the, the the people that were endorsing the uh, the drummer, our drummer came over and, and he said, you know, he goes, you see what's going on here? Because Rory was trying out all these different drums and had, you know, and he was so interested in like how how the, the different sounds were made and the different, you know, where he hit different things and. And our drummer came over and he's like, my condolences, you got a drummer in your hands, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. You need to start soundproofing, like, now. <laughs> so, it's very interesting. And Autumn is just, uh, she, I'm telling you, she, she just walks around, she goes, Mommy, I am music. I, I just, music is part of me. Like, it's in me. So, 
she's got a very interesting journey ahead. But like you said, she wrote she wrote that song. She actually was one and a half when she wrote that song. Wow. And and that's when the best things happen when they're so natural, when nothing yeah. is forced. It's just a natural environment. And and she was I was I was folding laundry upstairs, and she was in her room, sitting in a big old rocking chair, and she had all her dolls around her, and she just had her doll in her arms, and she was just singing the song. She just made up this beautiful song, the words and the melody all at once, like it was nothing, like no no effort at all. And uh, it was just such a natural, innocent, beautiful, pure moment. And, right. uh, you know, because I was in the hallway, I heard I heard her doing the singing that. And I poked my head around the corner, and I, I grabbed my camera, because I always hover over my kids with a camera. And, um, I, and I taped it. I videotaped it. And when she was done with it, you know, next time our producer came, I'm like, we have to do this song. It's, it's yeah. so beautiful. It was just like all the words were there. The arrangement was there. The melody line was there. It really didn't need... You know anything else except for him to just add some, you know, string patches and stuff and flush it out a little bit, you know. And uh, but everything was basically there, and 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 she's always been like that. It's it's amazing. Well, it's the perfect album to play to kids. You know, my kid is older now, but you know, it would be perfect to be kind of like remember those they they're still around those uh, rockabye lullabies yeah. for kids. You ever use exactly. those? Exactly. I don't know if it, yeah. yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah, as as a matter of fact, it's it. But I, although I I recorded this like in essence for my children and like you know almost a, so inspired by them and such a celebration of of the miracle of life and and, and it was just like such an amazing time being pregnant with my child or mm. singing to my child when they were so young and cradling them in my arms and just having those amazing amazing bonding moments and those moments of pure serenity. Um, but ironically, as I you know more and more people started getting the album, I started hearing these wonderful stories about ideas that I never would have thought to apply this type of music to. I've had mm. everything from people who had their, their mom in a hospice oh. and they really wanted to send their mom off to like the next place, wherever that might be, yeah. in, you know, in peace and with her being happy right. and smiling. And so they would play it for, for their mom. And, and so that's how she actually, instead of being brought into the world with this beautiful music, that's how she was brought out of this world, which was an, I, I never would have thought of that. Um, I've had people who are involved with rescue animals. They, this one gentleman who I was doing an interview with, actually, and he was very involved with, um, uh, rescuing fight do- dogs that you know that were used as, as bait or fighting right. dogs, which is horrible. And he said his he had this amazing dog, but the dog could not relax. And so what he did was uh, he wanted to, to transport his dog from you know point A to point B, but the dog was just going crazy getting into the car, and it was really difficult. <laughs> and he yeah. said he put the CD on, and the dog got in the back of the car, laid down in the back seat, and totally relaxed. You're like you the know? dog whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, it's it's amazing well, you, when people start using and applying it to different. You do like, you do have a very beautiful ethereal voice, and oh, I think that's yeah. that's part of it. You're it's very soothing and calming, and uh, you. you know you could rock it out too. But you know the th- having an ethereal voice is not easy. <laughs> Right. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've, I've always kind of done that side of it. Like, I've, my right. sister's seven years younger than me, and I used to just sing her to sleep all the time. Right. Um, I, I used to have this joke with, uh, you know, because whenever I would, I would kind of go into that mode, that relaxation singing kind of mode, I used to joke with people and say, you know, I feel like when I, you know, when I choose my career path, I'm either going to wind up being, you know, a really relaxing kind of ethereal singer, or I'll be a politician because anytime I open my mouth, it puts people to sleep. So I'm not really sure, <laughs> like which direction. 
How's it going? But obviously, I think I made the right choice. So yeah, you did. <laughs> well, it's fun. It, it's you know, it's funny because you made a comment saying that you've never felt so spiritual uh, making mm-hmm. the album. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can explain that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because you know when well, you know, creating music when there's yeah this being inside of you it's like it's just like this incredible part of a a bigger picture you know you your your whole body is involved with creation so it's not yeah. just your mind and your heart but you know physically you're involved with it and and um you know obviously i was i was touring at the time that i was pregnant with my daughter and my son as well um mm. i was recording blackmore's night albums so um so they were kind of born of music it was around them all the time they absorbed all that in yeah they absorbed everything everything so of course i'm singing all the time and when i wasn't singing i i actually had headphones on and i was playing songs you know on to my belly <laughs> right. had the headphones on for them but um so so they really they were just around it all the time but um, I, I kind of felt like, you know, being part of this miracle, this miracle of life and this mm-hmm. miracle of creation and also kind of winding down from anything else. Like I used to, I, I'm, I'm a nervous flyer. So I, you know, I used to have to maybe, I don't know, take a Dramamine or something, glass of wine, get on a plane and just kind of try to relax myself. And, you know, every bump, I'm like, oh my God, white knuckle. Like, what's that? What's that noise? What's that sound? You know, of course, being with my practical joker husband doesn't help because he makes <laughs> stories about what everything is and about how it's going to crash in five minutes. And I'm like, oh God, it's it's not pleasurable sitting next to him on <laughs> But if you're nervous. But, um, but you know, when, when you're pregnant, you, you have to kind of detox from everything. And I was I was so nervous that anything I would do would affect this being inside of me. So yeah. I did not, you know, have any coffee. I didn't have anything with caffeine. I didn't have any wine. I didn't, have, you know, I just like really followed the strict rules as to what I needed to do. And um, I kind of detoxed from anything that, you know, most people take for granted. You can take, you know, you can take a Dramamine if you get on a plane. Like it's not yeah. a big deal. It's not like hard drugs I'm talking about, but. You know, but I like I just kind of really was like, okay, so what can I do to make this better for myself? And I kind of went into a higher spiritual plane, and and I yeah. was able to see things from a different perspective and and calm myself, like and transcendent. Yeah, yeah almost very meditative, yeah, and yeah. and realized that everything was okay and everything was going to be all right. And, and it just felt like like just this incredible calm, this incredible peace. And 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 I don't. I wonder if you know you ever wind up feeling like that again because afterwards you know kind of you know you're trying to keep up with the kids and you're trying to like yeah. you know deal with the stress of everyday life but but really while i was pregnant and, and within the first couple of months afterwards um after giving birth it was just i mean before it was like being part of like this fertility goddess kind of thing you know and, and the spirituality <laughs> that was involved with it and the, just you could see <laughs> it was it just felt it just felt so different and so amazing and and almost not human And, um, you know, and so, so creating this CD while I was in that, that meditative or or transcendental state, you know, or celestial Mm -hmm. being or wherever I was, it it just felt so right. Everything kind of just clicked, like all the stars aligned, all the planets aligned and everything was just where it needed to be and everything made sense. And it's really, it's it's, it's a hard way to explain it, but it's really the only way that, that I can kind of try to put that into words. Yeah, my wife says she misses those times. Our kid mm. is getting into the teenage years, so she's... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my, my, mine was like five going on 15, six going on 16, so I totally get that. I'm, I'm terrified of teenage years because I'm already dealing with a little bit of the attitude now, so that's going to be fun. 
Uh, so, and of course, they've, got, they've all got a lot of Blackmore in them. My my son is like the the best practical joker ever, and, which freaks me out because I know he got that from my husband. I didn't realize that yes. was something you could pass in DNA. Well, maybe he could play some jokes on Richie. That'll be good. Oh, he it, it would be great. Absolutely, yeah, he's got to. He, he's probably the only one who could match with him. You know, like exactly. I'll be cooking breakfast or I'll be cooking dinner or something at the stove. And my little five-year-old boy, who's, who's got the face of an angel, but inside, oh, my goodness, the stuff he's got to deal with. <laughs> so he goes over and he, he just will take things. He'll take um, ice cubes out of the freezer and come up behind me and just stick ice up my back like, for oh, no gosh. reason. Mom, you know, just like things like this. I'm like, really, boy? <laughs> like right yeah. now, I'm over a hot stove. <laughs> Oh my god! Or I was in the I was in the bathroom the other day, and he's like banging on the door. Mommy, I need you. It's an emergency. It's an emergency. I need you. I need you. I'm like, what's wrong? I open the door, and he's got a full glass of water. He throws it in my face and runs off. Yeah. Like, who the... does that? <laughs> <laughs> my God. So uh, it's interesting. You don't realize the stuff you're passing down in DNA. That's definitely uh, a gene. Because that's not on my side of the family. <laughs> so you also have the traditional uh, rockabye baby. And um, you changed the lyrics on this one a little bit. The oh, part about you. the bow, yeah. For... I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could I mean, explain a little it, bit. Yeah. It's it, because, you know, we kind of, it's amazing how we take all these traditional lyrical songs just for granted and everybody mm-hmm. sings along with them. And But, you know, you put any thought into that and that's really not the kind of thing you want to put your child to sleep with, right. you know. When the bow breaks, the, the cradle will fall and down will come baby cradle. That, that doesn't relax me at all. You know, and to, and my whole idea was really, I, I just wanted them, any child, whether it was my child or any child hearing this, or any child hearing any song, to be able to just really, you know, this is the most peaceful, most beautiful, most pure time of their entire lives that they're ever going to have again. And, you know, it's it's their their serenity. It's their... Um, their security, and uh, I still remember. I remember going back, you know, going back many, many years. I can still remember being, you know, scooped up after falling asleep on the couch, picked up by my dad, and being, you know, carried up the stairs and laid into bed, mm. and, you know, tucked in and walked. And it, it was such a, you didn't have to worry about anything, any of the stuff you got to worry about today. And um, it was just such a peaceful, wonderful time. And I really wanted my children to have those, those peaceful moments. Those are the simple things kids kids remember. Even the toughest kids, right? I mean, they remember that stuff. Yeah, right. It brings it right back. Because I'll bet you, if you you mention some of these things to those children, it kind of like immediately brings them back to a point where they're like, oh, yeah. It's true. All the weight is lifted off their shoulders, and they just can can be, you know, in in those moments. And I wonder how old that song is. That's 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 an old song. It's traditional. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was originally. Oh gosh, I should do the research on it because you know it it was for me. It was just like a song that everybody winds up saying. And and honestly, there were so many songs that I. Had. I mean, Tora Laura Laura was another yeah. one that my mom used to sing to me. Like all these songs, I, I didn't <clears> even do the research on, but I still, you know, I would still sing all these songs to my kids. And um, uh, but they didn't make the album. Even you know, there was we were thinking about doing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yeah. And uh, there was my son was about three years old, and I was singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Way Up High, and like a like a you know typical little boy, he looked at me and said. Way a pie? What kind of pie? A blueberry pie? A, an apple pie? What kind of pie? Like he's always thinking about food. So I'm like, not a pie. Way a pie. You know. So, there's just certain things that just you know were, were really funny. But but there were certain songs that obviously didn't make the cut. Um, even though I do still love to sing them to my children. But well, this, this I, was I, a I nice also, take. Yeah. <laughs> but I, thank you. Yeah. I, I but I changed. Um, 
a lot of the words in uh, you know in many of the different songs, even even songs like "Baby Mine" from mm. uh, you know that was in uh, the Disney movie Dumbo. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful song, and so many people have done that. Bette Midler's done that. You know, there, when you look at the research, it's been a lot, a lot of people that have been you know have covered that. But um, there's it to me if if any part of any of the songs or any of the words had any, had any kind of negative connotation or even just uncertainty, you know, any kind of thing that would make any child, even though the child didn't speak English at that point, you know, even though they're right. still just babies, you know, they don't really understand the full grasp and concept of, of what you're singing. Well, it doesn't fit the album, right. It doesn't, it doesn't fit, the, even the whole rest of the song, you know, you're right. supposed to wanting, you know, it's almost like you're, you're giving them such a warm hug and you just want them to hear your heartbeat and be part of that wonderful place and, and then you sing something that doesn't fit in there at all and kind of shocks everything out of, out of that <laughs> yeah. world. And, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. So I, I really couldn't in good conscience, you know, <laughs> sing those words to a child as I'm looking at this innocent being, you know, and sing something like, oh, but by the way, the baby's going to fall out of the cradle, you know, or out of the, no. It doesn't, exactly, it I hear you. So it had to be done. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> so what's next for solo work or Blackmore's Night? What's next yeah, on the horizon? Well, um, yeah, we're kind of caught between two worlds right now, actually. Mm. Rick, he's, um, he's got his Rainbow uh, 2017 oh, yeah. band that's on the road right now. So we're, we're actually leaving for that next uh, next week, I believe. We're going to be heading over to England and doing a couple of shows there, one in Scotland as well. So that's always so much fun because, of course, I, that's the music I grew up on. Oh, yeah. And, you, in fact, I was going to mention that. You did a 10 albums that changed your life, and you mentioned Rainbow a couple of times. So yeah. that should be fun for you. Because, we, well, before I even met Richie, I, uh, yeah. I, I basically lived on, on Rainbow, uh, especially Rainbow Rising. Right. I, I don't... And back in the day where there were tapes, I don't know. <laughs> you know <laughs> does anybody know what that is anymore? I'm not talking eight tracks even. I'm just talking tapes. Um, but yeah, I had that the, the Rainbow Rising tape, and that did not leave my cassette player for probably a good year. <laughs> and that's all I listened to. Just completely addicted to that. Um, absolutely loved it. So you know, it's funny when people used to mention to me, "Oh, you're you know, it's Richie from Deep Purple," and I was like, "Well, actually, I was I was a Rainbow fan before I even learned about the Purple stuff. I mean, I knew the stuff on the radio, but yeah. you know, but Rising was like, you know." like my bible <laughs> it's like amazing um but yeah so we're we're gonna go over and do some of those uh shows which always is, is so much fun and, it, and for me it's great because it's a different perspective you know i get to sing the backing vocals like in the back of the stage so i get to like really look at the audience and see how much you know the enjoyment is out there instead of it's such a different perspective from being a lead vocalist yeah and yeah. Uh, you know so you're, you're part of it but you're still far enough back away that you could still see it from a different perspective and, and almost still see it as a fan you know perspective which is cool and uh, so, so that's coming up soon. And then, of course, we're doing Blackmore's Night, believe it or not, and I still can't believe this. It's the 20-year anniversary. Wow. Uh, I know. It's insane. Um, because, really, I have children who are, they were five years old when they start, their parents started taking them to see the shows. Because it's a yeah. kid's show, too. You know, it's an adult show. It's a grandparent. It's like a whole family can come and enjoy because it's melodic music. I heard. It's and, it's like a, it's a, a party atmosphere. Now, not in a party sense, like, you know, poison or something, but in a, not, right. a, yeah, a very family, very, like, happy, fun, loving yeah. get-together. And uh, people dress up. I, yeah. I've heard it's a lot of fun. I haven't been yet, but my oh, it's some so of my authors we, have told me they've had a lot of fun going. And we play Ridgefield, Ridgefield's uh, Playhouse. I think. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, okay. We we'll touch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe, we're thinking about maybe maybe that area again, um, possibly. I think they're looking at dates in October. So uh, yeah, for America, so, acoustics so, are important with that. That you know the kind oh, of music. Yeah. yeah. 
But but it's great because you know we have a, a seven piece band you know yep. so even a lot of people for some reason still think we're like this acoustic duo but it's a it, you know it's a big band <laughs> sound it, but the cool thing is you can play anything you could play a Renaissance song next to a rock song because Rich will still bring right. the strat out you know or and then he'll go into acoustic stuff you know and and tavern music and and it's like a like a costume party you know some people choose not to dress up but people who do dress up we actually hold the front few rows for them so everybody like in the front is just like all part of the party and right. and. Uh, we just have a great time, and like I said, you know, it's all ages. It's it's little kids come with their parents, and and you know, the mom likes the you know the the female vocals, but the dad is you know has been a Richie fan for decades, you know. So and then the grandparents come because it's really just melodic music that they can hum along to, and so everybody gets a little bit of something out of it. It's pretty cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't Richie? I mean, you guys do like some deep purple set to Renaissance, right? Don't you? Yeah, do few, well, we yeah. um. Especially the songs that kind of, Richie always says that, um, you know, there's, there's certain songs he would never ask me to do, sure. like, you know, the, the big screaming, you know, songs smoke like that. Smoke in the water. Right. right. Well, actually, we do smoke. <laughs> we do do smoke every do once in a while. He just loves the fact that he doesn't have to do it every single time because he's not in that band. Yeah, I'm sure you know, that so, would be, yeah, I can you feel know, cause it. I mean, imagine being in the, in the industry for, what, 50 years, and yes. every time you go on stage, you have to do that. Yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine, song. no. So, um, especially when, you know, he's so prolific as a writer, and then to have to be right. to just the four notes, it's like, really? <laughs> you know? Like, he always says, it's like Ian Anderson with Aqualung. You know, Ian Anderson is such a brilliant minstrel musician, I like, know. incredible, you know? And then it's like Aqualung, you know, which is a great song, but right. there's so much more to Ian's repertoire, you know? Yeah. So Rizzi always jokes about, like, they're almost in the same box with that. But, um, yeah, but he'll still pull it out every once in a while. He'll pull out smoke if he feels like doing it. He just loves not having that pressure of having to do it, you know. Plus, he so, probably uh, likes surprising the audience, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he changes every night. Our set list is different. So That's, um, that's great because uh, I hate when bands just, they completely play, they play the same song over and over. Because you have fans, you know, traveling with you, kind of. Absolutely, and they travel from all over the place. Yeah, Yeah. we've got fans. They come from. A lot of our fans actually take their vacation time from work when we go on tour. Exactly, and it's almost like a Grateful Dead following. So when you play. yeah, well, yeah, if you play the same old songs, that's... Oh, could you imagine? No, yeah. never. No. Yeah. And and plus, the cool thing is, you know, if we can get away with it, if there's no, I mean, especially if there's no curfew, you know, that's kind of putting a, a barrier on, on us, we can, uh, you know, like, he'll, he'll go out there if he's having a good time, which most of the time he is. He'll play three hours, four hours. He just has a great time. We take requests from the audience. We pull people up on stage. We get people involved. It's it's really more like a party at our home, you know. Yeah, I've and, heard. You know, yeah, so it's yeah, so, a lot of fun. So you'll be in, I'm seeing here that you'll be in Germany mm-hmm. during like August, huh? I mean, you'll yeah, be, gonna, yeah, you'll be busy. Oh, yeah. Germany, Czech Republic, uh, Holland, and Luxembourg this year. Wow. So you won't be back touring in the States probably till around fall, right? I'm thinking thinking October is what people are talking about right now. That's the buzz that's out there. And there's going to be a special set that's going out um, of a Blackmore's Night Best Of for the past 20 years that's got some some cool inserts like memorabilia and stuff like collages and stuff. Oh, when is that coming out? Uh, that should be coming out when we go on tour overseas. So I'm thinking probably August. And that's 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 going to be on vinyl as well. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I, they didn't tell me, but I'm always the last to find out for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like the record 
companies know way before us. Fans actually tell me. I have fans tweeting me going, did you know this was out here? Or I'm so I excited know. about this release. I'm like, what? Oh, oh, really? That's cool. I didn't know about that one. Yes. Yeah. But thank God for the fans. They keep yeah. me, you know, updated on everything. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that will be coming out in a couple of months. Okay. Um, well, we'll keep our eyes open for it. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. Thank and, you. It's great talking to you. And we'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, hopefully see you in October. Thank you, Candace. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. Well, that was Candace Knight talking about her solo album, Starlight, Star Bright. God, what a talented family. And we're glad that she gave us the time for the interview. Um, now we're going to be moving on to an interview with longtime contributor Dave Thompson about his new book on record collecting. And we'll get to that right after this message. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Okay, we have Dave Thompson here, longtime Goldmine contributor, and has a new book out on Crosby. Crosby Publication, Goldmine's Essential Guide to Record Collecting. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> well, I want to talk a, lot, a little bit about this book because um, I think this book is more than just um, a person for a person just getting into record collecting, don't you? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was the intention. Um, I wanted to write a book that would pretty much work whatever level you were at. Right. Because um, a beginner's guide, you, I mean, you don't really know where a beginner is. It's like, you do don't. they even know what, do they know what a record is? Um, right. Or vinyls, sorry, do they know what a vinyls is? For instance, maybe they didn't get into mono yet, which is uh, a chapter you have here. And, I mean, I learned a few things when I read it. You know, like, for instance, the Who's uh, Our Love is uh, there's a different uh, mono version. I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah. Well, this is because you didn't pay attention to the CD reissue. You? <laughs> 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 you should always listen very carefully to mono. Right. Um, ser- actually, I'm being serious. You should always listen carefully because sometimes you'll just think, meh, what's all the fuss? And other times you'll just be sitting there saying, have I ever heard this record before? Yep. Um, the classic example is the first Crazy World of Arthur Brown album, where side one is pretty much a completely different performance mm. to, side, uh, to the stereo. And this is what kind of makes music collecting exciting, is that they could you know, find something different, a different version of the song. So that, that kind of impressed me, because I was a fan of The Who, and I never knew uh, that example, so I'm sure that will happen to other people as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is the most pronounced example with The Who. Yeah. Um, when I, I originally had a mono. I mean, I picked up a mono one when I was at school and didn't really know the difference between mono and stereo. Right. So, you know, we're going back like, several hundred years now. <laughs> but So I had, I'd had my copy since I was like 13. That's cool. Um, bought in that great purge where everybody switched from mono to stereo, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. So I was buying records, and so I bought I bought this copy, and I had it, and I loved it. And then one day, I was working at a record shop, and one of my 
co-workers put on the album and it was stereo and it was like oh my god this is completely different <laughs> so very sensibly i sold my mono copy and bought a stereo one <laughs> because that's the sort of thing you do when you're 16 right <laughs> and right. then spent the next however long trying to find a mono one because i decided i liked it better yes <laughs> and i did the same i did the same thing with the first zapper album as well and and you said, you know, over the years you've said that as far as music collecting goes, there's the Beatles and Elvis, and then there's everybody else. I mean, do you still feel that way? Because I have a feeling, looking at the market, that Elvis has slipped a little bit. You know, you hear that, but I think amongst serious Elvis collectors, it's probably slipped a little because they've got everything. They, they, you know, the ones they're looking for now are the ones they're very unlikely ever to find. Right. And there's been so much stuff reissued. But the fact that Follow That Dream and Sony are still releasing this stuff yes. on a constant basis, the fact that Elvis is still some of the most you know, expensive or highly priced records around. Right. I don't really think he's slipping. It's, you know, just people don't talk about it now because it's not really the 50th anniversary of anything significant. Right. I mean, the only thing that Graceland's trying to play up this year is the 40th anniversary of his passing, and, and, yeah. and they're trying to celebrate his legacy. But uh, yeah. people, I don't know if they're going to notice that as much as like a, a 50th, like you said. Um, cause, or even, yeah. I mean, even a 40th, because they're doing the same thing with punk rock in England. You know, it's the 40th anniversary of the Sex Pistols record, so, you know, we all have to go out and spit at each other a little and then go home and play it. <laughs> um, with Elvis, yes, it is the 40th anniversary of his death, but you can't really put that on a record and sell it. Well, you know, and, and do you think some, some people who aren't into Elvis will be shocked that Elvis' Christmas album is... You know, the mono LP is worth twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I certainly was. I, mean, I must say, of all the Elvis records I've got, that one in stereo or mono is probably the one I don't play very often. No, I, I usually stay away from Christmas albums in general. <laughs> Not because the Partridge Family Christmas album is great. I'll just watch the Yule log, but I mean, I don't. <laughs> Now, get yourself a copy of the Partridge Family one. It's okay. really good. Is it worth okay. anything? Um, first pressing, if it comes with the Christmas card, loose. Yes. yes. Huh. Um, later pressings, they printed the Christmas card on the cover. It's like real cheat. Uh, and then but, some, they did, some they didn't bother at all. But it's not $20,000, so... Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> $20. 20 cents. Well, anyway, it's you... Great record. You did get a question when we were talking about mono. Um, a reader had uh, a, a reader wrote in. He said, "I have a collection of thousands of forty fives. Uh, quite a few of them are promo copies. In the seventies, as you mentioned, a lot of promo singles still contained the mono version of a song, along with the stereo on the other side. Were many of them true mono mixes or simply fold downs of the stereo ones?" That's actually a very good question. Uh, unfortunately, it's a very horrible answer. They're just fold-downs. Uh. Um, from, well, I say that, but I'm sure somebody will be able to produce something that no one's ever heard of, which is a true mono mix. Right. But in general, yep. I'd say you know, 95, if not more, percent 
Uh, they just did a, a monofold down for AM radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, you're not going to go to all the trouble of doing a mono mix. Right, right. Um, Makes sense. And you know, a lot of a lot of the, the albums that we do sort of prize now, sort of post 1968 American mono records, mm. do tend to be fold downs. Yeah. Um, yeah, their promos, they were mono, but yeah, they were just done for AM radio. Yep. And they didn't really pay that much attention to them. Right. Good old AM radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kept us in mono for another few yeah. years. Well, anyway, thanks, Dave. And uh, good luck with the book. It's a great book, Goldmine's Essential Guide to Record Collecting. And you can get it at Barnes & Noble and all your, your good record stores and your good bookstores. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much. We'll be seeing Bye-bye. the pages of Goldmine later, man. <laughs> Bye. Okay. We're going to call up Mike Greenblatt. He's at the Saratoga Jazz Festival. I want to call him up and see how it's going. Um, he writes Filled with Jazz column, the new one. And uh, let's call up Mike now. See if he's uh, enjoying himself, what kind of bands are playing. Mike! Yes. Mike! Yes. It's Pat. Hold on. <laughs> I have guess. to walk away. I was sitting in the first row for this great Latin jazz trio. I forgot my damn Tilly hat for my head, and I forgot my sunscreen, <laughs> and I forgot my chair. So I'm at the mercy of the elements. So you're filled with you're filled with jazz, so to speak. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to go back to the hotel to get my my hat. The, the hat's the bad thing. I can't believe I forgot my damn hat. So the um, sun the sun is baking. The jazz festival just started today, right? Or was it yesterday? Yeah, it just started minutes ago. Okay, so Saturday and, and Sunday, twenty fourth to twenty fifth, right? Is that correct? Uh, today and tomorrow, correct. Okay. Well, we're we're going to have you on on the uh, the show here just to talk about uh, what you're expecting to see, and you're going to write about okay. it, and you're filled with jazz column, right? Correct. Who are you expecting to see today on uh, Saturday? Chaka Khan, Jean-Luc Ponte? Yeah, Chaka Khan is the headliner. I'll be seeing a fabulous various artist. Uh, called Jazz 100, the music of Dizzy, Mongo, and Monk. Wow. I'm really looking forward to seeing, as well as uh, Cecile McLaurin-Salvant, Jacob Collier, who is like a one-man band, and um, also the Dave Stryker Organ Quartet, who we've interviewed. Who are you expecting? Now, you all these acts are playing in the amphitheater, so that's out of the, that's more at night inside, right? It's uh, it's an outdoor event. Uh, the gazebo is the smaller stage, which is outside. The amphitheater is uh, has cover and right. seats. And then That's what tomorrow, I meant. yeah, t- uh, tomorrow I'll be seeing the great Jane Bonet and Maka Q, which I saw in Montreal. 
at the Montreal International Jazz Festival. They're fabulous. Uh, as well as Dee Dee Bridgewater, the Gypsy Kings, a special to Ray with Love, with, which features the Ray Charles Orchestra, uh, with Mazio Parker, the great James Brown saxophone player, oh, yeah. as well as the Ray Letts. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, at the gazebo tomorrow is, uh, again, Jane Bounet and Makakweet, the African uh, band, as well as Corey Henry and the Funk Apostles. So it's going to be a great two days. Oh, don't forget the fabulous Blind Boy Paxton. So how do you compare? Sure. How do you compare the? How do you compare this to other jazz festivals? Well, this one is spread out. There's there's uh, it, 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 there's these huge pine trees that provide plenty of shade. The food's great. People are really nice. Uh, after raining for two straight days, the weather is beautiful. They expect it to be beautiful again tomorrow. There's another band that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Adam O'Farrell's Stranger Days. Hmm. And uh, his band is filled with avant-garde funk and uh, very forward-thinking post-bop craziness. Well, we can't wait to read your column uh, about the experience. Um, it's it sounds exciting. Great. I can't wait. It, it also, Noah Preminger, Jason Palmer Quartet. Preminger is a fabulous young saxophone player whose latest album reconfigured a lot of the old 1920s blues artists hmm. that we cover in our flashback column, but done in a jazz way. Interesting. So that ought to be fabulous. And then the other one I didn't mention is another dance uh, situation, Shabaka and the Ancestors. So if you, you would recommend the Saratoga Jazz Festival for anyone, it's an annual event. This is the 40th annual such event. The town is absolutely gorgeous, uh, and, they, and the potato chip was invented here. <laughs> so they must have good potato chips. So, so you keep yourself out of the sun. Go back and get your hat to protect yourself a little bit. Wear the sunscreen. I'm not going back to the <laughs> no way. I'm in it to win it. Well, you I'm were here at, for the next ten hours. You were at Woodstock, so you're a veteran. That's right. Yeah, but of course, I, I was 18 at Woodstock. I'm 66 now. Ah, you still have the young spirit in you. <laughs> All right, Mike. Take care. I'll be texting you. See how you're doing. I'll call you tomorrow, sir. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Well, that was Mike Greenblatt. Um, he's been a gold mine contributor for years, and he's author of the new column filled with jazz, talking about the latest releases of jazz artists. Um, so that'd be great for uh, anybody who loves jazz, collecting jazz records or getting the new releases on jazz. Okay, so next. I want to mention our new column, Indie Showcase, by Lee Zimmerman. And every issue, Lee is uh, going to enlighten us with under-the-radar indie artists that uh, you deserve to be aware of. And uh, before we end this podcast, in fact, I'm going to play a song from indie artist Art Carter off his album, Texture. Um, I'm going to try to do this more in podcasts to come, so uh, uh, promote more indie artists. Uh, Arts music is an eclectic Nashville sound, as you'll hear in this song, Mighty Mighty Mississippi, uh, shows just that. Uh, You go to artcarter.com if you'd like to hear more. 
Well, everyone, another good podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening. We'll see you in a few weeks. Don't forget to go to goldbymag.com where you can get the latest news and also subscribe. Uh, you can also find the latest issue of Goldmine and Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and record stores through URP Distribution. Thanks, all. Speak to my